Blog Talk Radio. Hello, welcome to Snake Oil Radio here on Blog Talk Radio. It's your host, Jim Ventura. Welcome, everyone, whether you're catching the show live or in archive. Uh, welcome. Um, you know, after I finish the show, it will always go into archive. If you missed uh, it or the beginning of it, you always kind of catch up. All right, so let me talk a little bit about me here and what we're going to be doing on today's show. My name, again, is Jim Ventura. I do an every other month column called Snake Oil, and today is going to be one of my live column reads. Um, I actually put this column out like over a month ago, so I'm really behind on finally getting a radio show. And normally I do them on Thursdays at 3.30 Phoenix time, um, but I just have had too many things going on on Thursdays. So rare Friday show. I'll be back to the Thursday format um, soon. Anyway, so I'm a professional astrologer and uh, oracle reader. Um, I work with numerology and tarot and rune stones, all kinds of good things. Uh, information about my personal services can be found on my website at jimventura.com, which is emailing me at venturasag at yahoo.com. And I do sessions both uh, in my home office here as well as by phone. So, uh, again, you can info that if you're interested. Uh, I've read a couple of books and obviously uh, do my column here as well as on the radio and have kind of been a uh, presence on a number of different social media sites as well. But I do want to mention I just started a new site at buymeacoffee.com, and I'm going to start doing a little promo on that. Um, really cool site. It's going to be a lot of my best writing and material and kind of the stuff that I typically give to regular clients who work with me, you know, quarterly or monthly for sessions. Uh, a lot of that info is going to be on Buy Me a Coffee. So uh, worthy site to check out. Uh, I actually put the uh, handle in the chat room here uh, where that is. Funny story because I tried to do buymeacoffee.com at Ventura Words, but it, like, blocked me, and it came out Ventura Wara. Uh, and I tried to change it, but it was just too much of a pain in the ass to do that. So I left it very humorously. But anyway, the link is there, and I'll have that on all my social media sites in the very near future to check out. Okay, so this, again, today is a live column read show. And normally um, I'm not able to get to live calls during column read shows. And today is probably going to be one of those days uh, because I'm going to have to cut the radio show short uh, again because of some heavy booking stuff going on. So, yeah, my apologies to anyone who is calling in. You can listen to the show, but you have a very good chance because I only can do about 35 minutes. And this is kind of a longer column uh, that I won't be able to take calls. Um, so, anyway, and it's funny because uh, a couple of weeks ago I did an interview show with a, a woman named Megan who does readings and she was like real open to doing um, readings on air and, and nobody <laughs> tuned into the show and called in. And uh, I had marketed it too, um, sadly. So uh, it's a shame because she was like really gung ho on, on giving free readings out. But uh, the same thing, you can check out that show and contact her if you want to look at uh, info and booking a session with her. Okay. So this is a column. And I'm going to read it. I'm going to talk a little bit about it and um, then kind of go from there. So this, this is my January-February column, and it's called Essence Contact. So the first time I read about what Essence Contact was, I immediately understood what was being explained because I'd already experienced this many times during the first two decades of my life. I came across the concept when reading a series of channel books called The Michael Teachings. 
I was about 21 years old at the time and knew that during my childhood, essence contact happened fairly often. Making that connection to my essence was fairly easy to do for, before I was hit with the pressures of who I was supposed to be, according to peer pressure, a parent's belief about correct behavior for our family, what our religion told us to be, and utterly growing internal fears about my lack of self-worth. I wondered why I perceived so many things so differently than a lot of people around me not uncommon for an older soul as a child. In spite of my mounting fears, I so often had pockets of times where I just felt happy, like I belonged, even fit perfectly into this world because I was quite simply meant to be here. Even if I wasn't sure what I was here for exactly, the fun and enthusiasm of potentials of life were still fortunately stronger than my fear. But what is essence context? Essence is the core of who we are. There are actually seven types of essences, some being more commonplace than others. It is, in essence, the role we become when we are cast, and that doesn't mean thrown away, uh, but by choice for experience, when we're cast from the Tao or God to begin experience a series of lifetimes. This reincarnation or lifetime will always be the same essence, although astrology and overleaves, like goals, modes, attitudes, will actually change to give us a unique experience for each lifetime. Essence is a direct contact to our higher self. It is a bridge that connects us to an unbreakable way to the Tao or God. Commonly, when an individual experiences a near-death event and they, they uh, feel they saw God, in truth, it is far more likely that they're seeing Essence directly. The magnitude of love from Essence is interpreted as meeting God. The Tao itself is so enormous that it would be difficult for any of us to comprehend this while in a physical body. Experiencing essence contact happens when we're not actually trying to. It often feels like fully plugging into the present moment. You can feel like a circuit that completes or a light has come on and you just simply get it. When this occurs, it moves us immediately to the positive pole of our overleaves or our astrological wiring. Fear is not part of the experience. It may even temporarily move into what is known as the higher centers. It is a brief release from Maya or false personality. Time can, time can seem a long need or even become meaningless. Often the magnitude of essence contact, however long or brief, afterwards can feel that we are in a positive way burned clean or back on track. When I was a child, I often felt this during times of play. I played a lot. I was so immersed in joy at whatever I was doing, either alone or with friends, that I simply felt completely carefree. Often when I tried to play the same game another day or recreate similar events, it did not pack the same magical punch, even though it was usually still fun. I once felt essence contact when I was driving my first car at about age 17 and struggling with fear and doubt about my abilities to drive and to do other adult things. I was waiting at a crosswalk when I observed a handicapped man in a wheelchair slowly passing by. He was a character with colorful flags attached to his chair a grin on his face, a holder for his beverage, and he was just so excited to get across the street to his destination. I immediately felt connected to him. I was impressed with how he just fully was himself. And just like I perceived him to be, my fears of inadequacy disappeared in that moment. It was a wonderful feeling of not only being happy, but that he was perfect, I was perfect, and weirdly so was the world. And many times when I felt this sense when taking a hot bath in my teen years while reading in a crowded house that I grew up in, when the bathroom was finally just mine. 
I frequently experienced chestnut contact when I snuggled in my bed with two dogs at night in a New York winter. There were times when I laughed so hard with friends or family that we cried because it was so overwhelming in a good way. I especially felt this when I was the one who actually started the contagious laughter. There were times during my artistic years when I would draw or paint something, when I got in the zone and it all just flowed and I created something amazing. I often felt essence contact when listening to music. There are many songs that did this for me, so the list is quite long. But a few examples were the first time I heard And You and I by Yes, Secret Separation by The Fix, and more recently Babylon by David Gray. It's common for people to try to achieve a sort of essence contact with alcohol or drugs. There can be a makeshift form of essence contact that is stimulated this way. So while it's possible, it's far less desirable with these methods and often has uncomfortable repercussions. Often the belief that the drug is the way to get you there is grossly misconstrued. The achievement of essence contact is unique for everyone. A mother may feel essence contact during childbirth or when she holds her child for the first time. Often the connection with the partner during a period of early romance or later even with sexual union, essence contact may occur when a shared link of chemistry is in play for a couple. A father may feel essence contact while walking his daughter down the aisle at a wedding with the father-daughter first dance. Fireman may feel it while rescuing someone from a burning building. Any type of artist may feel essence contact when they're in the zone and they're just creating inspiring artwork. A traveler may feel this when going to a place for the first time and feel like they're returning to something they somehow have already magically seen or they're transformed by the customs of another culture. Watching one's family or friends enjoying themselves, chatting, eating, eating food you've prepared may trigger essence contact. A performer on stage may flow perfectly into the role during one particular show that seems to line up and they flawlessly become the character they're portraying. A soldier might feel this at some point on a mission when he or she feels truly part of the team with purpose. A religious individual might feel truly connected to God or Jesus in Christian tradition during a religious service, singing in a choir, or any other type of experience. Although sometimes this can lead to zealous dogma about it being the only way. The variations are infinite. Experiencing any type of wonderful event, while amazing, is still noticeably different from actual essence contact. Mature and older souls tend to be more inclined to experience essence contact, although any soul age may do so. Older souls tend to get this experience more often, and naturally because they tend to block the contact far less. This is why younger souls, and again, this has nothing to do with chronological age when I mentioned soul age, Again, this is why younger souls often enjoy being around older souls without consciously realizing why. Essence contact can be contagious. Being around someone who's going through it or has it happened more frequently can act as a trigger for others. In one of the books I read on the subject, the author shares what an individual baby soul, that's the soul age where one is all about setting up rigid rules and structures to follow either comfortably or uncomfortably during a lifetime, by the way, when the author shares when an individual baby soul who at about age 20 is working as a camp counselor, he spontaneously pulls out his guitar in the evening when he and the children are sitting around a campfire. He plays songs for the preteen children and sing-alongs and some even playfully dance. The hour flies by magically and everyone has a wonderful time, including him. 
When he goes to sleep later in his tent, his thoughts quickly turn to worry and fear. He wonders if he somehow had inappropriate, even sexual feelings toward the children, and whether what he did was unclean or just wrong. He does not have actual inappropriate thoughts toward the children, but religious dogma, repressed sexual development, and beliefs that the level of happiness he felt feels suspect as fear, and the ego taints the rehashing of the events. He inevitably quits his job the next day and decides it's better to never work with children again. He rarely allows essence contact again after this in a lifetime. The only way to achieve essence contact is during times of extreme suffering. There may be experience of a crisis like a suicide attempt, notable despair, physical trauma, or painful loss, when essence may step in and take over. This can often act as a reboot to the life purpose when one is falling too, off, too far off the larger life plan. Some near-death experiences are uh, after being revived physically because of the brief contact with the other worlds, will retract the individual to the original plan they've diverged from. The contact with essence may create new purpose in a sense that there's more to do in this life. But essence contact becomes more frequent, especially for mature older souls, and brings us back to ourselves. It's not uncommon for those uh, around someone more aligned with their essence to think it is possible for them too. This can trigger something like, wow, what is it they have? I want to do that, too. Maybe I can have it. Essence is love, and fear is the force that will block it. Fear in the physical world can be difficult to avoid, but by no means impossible. It is often sold in the media, praised by those in its grip to strive for, or may become part of an internal voice that masquerades as practical and valuable, what I like to call hugging your cactus. Fear can be disguised as what you would uh, with things like, you would be foolish not to listen to what I'm saying. So while we can't strive for essence contact with a specific formula, and there will unlikely ever be a pill to get us there, we can make essence contact more frequent. When we allow more love of others and self, release judgment, spend more time in the present, and allow ourselves to be who we were meant to be, this minimizes the voice of fear, and naturally creates more opportunities to allow essence contact. A worthy endeavor indeed. Okay, so that's the column. A little bit of a longer one than normal. In fact, I just wrote um, my column for March, April, and uh, oh, my God, I'm, I've gone like five and a half pages because I'm talking about um, dysfunctional relationships. It's called Yes, Dear. <laughs> you can be added to my mailing list uh, at Venture Sag at Yahoo if you want to get added to the mailing list to get the columns. I generally post them on Facebook, but again, the columns will go over to my uh, Buy Me a Coffee site even sooner once they're printed. And, uh, yeah, sometimes it gets a little long, but, uh, again, you can see by, by the depth of this, there was a lot to it, so I want to um, go into a little bit of the, the layers of this and, and how some of this came about. Okay, so, again, you know, one of the things I kind of explain to people is, you know, luckily for me, um, I guess maybe it's not lucky, I think it was sort of meant to be, again, sort of at a higher self level, I very early on started studying metaphysics. Um, it really, I think, started initially with numerology, and then that kind of moved to astrology, and then uh, I went on to, you know, things like tarot and runestones and stuff like that as I began to explore. And, and you know, to my credit, um, I'm very, you know, when I decide to learn something, I tend to be um, really meticulous in uh in uh learning uh in astrology I, I, even though my son's son is Sagittarius I've got three planets in a conjunction in Virgo 
Mars, Uranus, and Pluto uh, in my uh, expression creativity house. So, yeah, it kind of comes all natural to me. Um, but I kind of mastered a lot of that stuff really early on. But one of the things that I really began to do in the late 80s when I was beginning to study was I was reading a lot of different channel books. Um, and, you know, anyone who's, you know, under the age of 40 um, and into metaphysics a bit, really you, you guys can't fully grasp how intense the channeling age was in the late 80s, 90s, even to the early 2000s. It was really flourishing with a lot of very famous trans channelers who spoke for deceased entities. They had Lazarus and, um, and uh, Ramtha and Seth, one of the, probably one of the best. And then the Michael teachings had come out. Uh, I had read tons of these different channelers, and uh, that was really one of my favorite things. And, uh, again, I always had a particular affinity for the Jane Roberts books who channeled Seth. But when I came to some Michael material, which is what this column somewhat springs from, that kind of floored me also because it was a very different take on, on human experience. And the Michael teachings and the original books are, are called Messages from Michael by Chelsea Quinn Yarbrough, and you can still find them. And then there was a many, many people that were channeling Michael and, you know, uh, a lot of different books, again, especially 80s, late 70s, 80s, 90s, all over the place. And uh, really good material because it really was almost really, it was almost like bringing mathematics to light with the Michael teachings. And I really particularly uh, was drawn to it because I, I kind of have a strong rootedness in uh, mathematics. So, you know, a lot of astrologers kind of understand this. Astrology is just a form of math almost as well, too. It's like math speaking. But the Michael teachings really in some ways were more simplistic, but really still multi-layered because they were, everything was broken into sevens. You know, so there are seven types of essences, you know, seven planes of experience working back toward the Tao, seven goals, seven modes, seven attitudes, seven chief negative features. It really broke into, a, again, a more simplistic formula, but really still very, very, really, really brilliant um, insight into human behavior. And a lot of the material was based on the whole concept of that we move through a series of reincarnational lifetimes. So in a brief nutshell, you know, one of the things Michael Teachings talked about was there were seven stages of soul evolution on the physical plane. That's that reference to what is known as infant souls, baby souls, young souls, mature souls, old souls. And then there are two souls that ages that typically don't always manifest in the physical, the transcendental soul, and uh, blank on the other one, but similar, um, or kind of more like ascended master stuff. But that what they pointed out that, like, being a baby soul is like, you know, you could be 57 years old and be a baby soul during that lifetime. You know what I mean? Birth through, you know, however long you live. And it's not related to chronological age. It just has to do with um, what the focus is. So in a brief nutshell, infant souls are just about experience and survival on the physical plane. It's like early lifetimes. So they can be a bit more brutal. Um, baby souls are all about, like, you know, it's all about, like, rules and regulations, you know, following the Bible to the letter of the law. Um, you know, whatever your politics are. Things are very rigid for baby souls. You know, baby souls are almost like responsible for keeping the infant souls from doing crazy things, <laughs> you know. But they can be a little difficult for mature and older souls to deal with baby souls because of that rigidity, you know. That's very common for baby souls. 
And then the young soul sage is like, he who dies with the most toys wins. It's all about, you know, achieving in the physical world, conquering the physical plane, becoming as much as you can be. You know, positive stories about that are like Frank Sinatra. Um, the whole Rocky story is about, you know, uh, overcoming difficulty and, and becoming, you know, a, a prize fighter. You know, share energy of overcoming was very young soul in its approach. Uh, Donald Trump would be a classic, you know, mid-level young soul. Uh, it's not really about spirituality and empathy as much, even though sometimes some of that can surface. It's more about, again, that, that conquering and, and working towards success. And the mature soul stage is usually when people really start feeling a lot of empathy and emotion and being able to understand what it feels like to walk in other people's shoes. Very relationship-oriented cycles of lifetimes where, you know, it's all about our relationships and how we are affected by them. And the old soul stage is typically uh, a bit more detached and more about kind of finishing up your lifetimes here, more about seeing the larger picture and, um, and, and being able to, you know, really kind of walk a weird, unique path. Most old souls are pretty weird when they're younger. Um, <laughs> I don't really know what to do with that, you know. Uh, anyway, that's a brief synopsis of this. But getting back to the, the column itself, you know, Essence contact is a really cool thing to discuss and explain because most of us will have had it happen. And it is, um, it's wild when it occurs because it's very like, like I talked about in the piece, it's very present. Um, you just are you in a way where you are really experiencing what it feels like not to be immersed in fear, however long or however brief. Again, that's why I mentioned in this piece that, again, this is sometimes like when someone's really upset or sad or frustrated, sometimes a harrowing, difficult experience may lapse them into essence contact, which can be good. Uh, you know, not the ideal way to get there. We're having to go through trauma, but that's kind of something that's a saving grace that can sometimes occur. You know, unfortunately, people tend to kind of, you know, when you get into real extremes of drug use like heroin and things of that nature, it's not really essence contact as much as it's obliteration of fear for a while and not being able to feel. Uh, uh, and, you know, they might perceive that as essence contact, but ultimately it really is not. Um, essence contact is just, it's more of a feeling, like I said, the many times I've gone through it is it just feels like you're right. Like, what would you be if you weren't afraid and you felt good about who you were and you were completely immersed in the moment? That's why when I listed some of the different examples, you can see, like, it can be so different for everyone. Um, you know, uh, I listed a lot of different options there. Um, so, yeah, it just depends on who you are and the way you necessarily get there. And, again, as I said in the piece, there's no, like, there's no specific way to get to it. It's just, again, it, a lot of times it will happen somewhat spontaneously. Uh, that's what's always kind of happened with me when, I, when I've gone through it. Uh, I can't come up with a specific formula for why it occurred, but what I can tell you is that when it does, whether it's even just for a few minutes or it goes like an hour, um, you're just happy. Like, that's, again, what I mean when, when you're not being affected by fear. I, you know, we're so affected by fear in this world that uh, it can almost be weird not to be hit by it. That's why, you know, if you've, kept, uh, if you've read any of my columns or caught any of my past radio shows as well, you know, I talked a lot about 
some of this fear stuff during the COVID years for that reason, uh, really became a manipulative point of sale for people. Um, and I'm, I, I'm going to say, I, I never really have gone down the full-on conspiracy roads because I think that can get sometimes a little cuckoo too. But what I was really more pointing out that the way this was handled and the milking that, you know, certain pharmaceutical companies did and other people did to get people to buy products and be afraid. And then really a lot of it was also just the media selling all this fear. And then like, not even just the media, like so many people jumped on the bandwagon, you know, during that. I mean, I remember like, you know, going to my gym and, you know, when they finally reopened it, they had to shut it down for a couple of months to flatten the curve, which of course did nothing. Um, period. Um, and, you know, we had to wear masks. And listen, I, I, didn't, I didn't buck up against any of that. I think wearing the mask is largely pretend. Um, and But I'm not the type of guy where I'm going to, like, cause a fight and yell at employees. People would just follow the rules as they were carved out. But, like, it got really kooky where, like, you know, I remember hearing a woman saw someone nose slipped out of the mask and when he was drinking water, and she went up and told the manager on him. And I had friends that were, like, posting crazy things on Facebook about screaming at people for not getting vaccinated and, and you know, and, and just that this is never going to end unless people wear their masks. And, oh, my God almighty. So it was really a massive time of, of fear that was spread, you know, around. And, you know, listen, if you're an older soul, you kind of get what I mean about that. It was never, I never questioned that there was an actual illness here. Um, and and some people really suffered from it, almost without question. But the way it was dealt with, the way it was handled, the exaggeration of the media, the, you know, the, the just the theatrics of it, you know, were just so outlandish. And again, I've talked about this in detail, so I'm going to drop that at this point here. But... Um, I don't think as much as it was evil about it as much as, again, it became this kind of rampant fear. And, you know, I just kind of point out, like, I mean, they didn't have almost any Amish communities. They don't get vaccinated. They don't – very few people, if any, got sick and had it. You have to kind of wonder about, you know, why some countries and places got it so much heavier. But, again, fear. So, like, and, you know, I was actually talking about this with a few friends the other day when I was out at dinner – that you know what amazes me now is it's very much like when you when you pay it when if you look at YouTube or Instagram and Facebook and things like that you know listen a lot of people are awesome they're posting pictures of lunch and happy wedding pictures and things like that and, and positive stories without question but there's a lot of like kind of owning the libs owning the Republicans you know making fun of the religious people or the religious people attacking gay people and the whole Taylor Swift nonsense right now about, you know, she's a devil chick and all this other stuff. It's so interesting if you're paying attention to any of that. Uh, Right-wing media is very fearful that she's going to sway the election away from Trump. And, you know, and they're talking about her, you know, doing these demonic things and she's not with God. You know, meanwhile, she's just a chick that's a singer. <laughs> you know what I mean? And uh, it's very funny because if you're, if you're old like me, I'm in my late 50s, um, it reminds me of a lot of things that were projected onto Stevie Nicks in the 70s and the 80s. They thought she was a witch, and you know what I mean? She's very good looking, and you know what I mean? And, and women were dressing like her, and you know, and, and everyone had this kind of theory about her, her witchcraft and stuff, and you know, also silly. 
But uh, this is what I mean about living in modern times. They're always kind of spinning some kind of fear thing to get everyone to go crazy. And uh, again, I don't, you know, Taylor Swift, not really my type of music, but a lot of kids love her. I think at the core, she's basically a good person. But this is that selling and spinning of fear that's so common. So again, what I was getting at in the piece is um, the beauty of essence contact is that you get back to yourself um, and that, that pure love, that pure level of understanding. So the key of it is, again, you can't really try to get there, you know, um, but what you can do is, you know, the less judgmental you become, I think that humor is an incredible tool for releasing us from the grips of fear, which is why you'll often hear me do it in my writing and other places. I think it's also just finding the things that really make you tick. You know, some people might feel less in contact when they're playing with their dog, you know, um, or, again, artistically pursuing that or, or making food for someone. It's really like it's a lot about the more you get comfortable with who you are and your natural wirings, and the more likely you have these weird times when you might slip into essence contact. And what I can tell you is, again, someone like me who's done a lot, you know, um, I love it. It's what keeps me sane. I, I always joke about that. Like, even if I'm depressed or sad, like, when I go to bed at night, because I'm so avidly good at, at, at lucid dreaming and sleeping well, generally, like, I always wake up, even if I, I'm going to a sadness I, and I go to bed that way, I never wake up sad, ever. I just fix myself in the dream state somehow. You know, and then just like making breakfast and having coffee makes me happy. You know, Taurus rising, by the way, ascendant. Um, you know, I just get happy because of food and, you know what I mean? And, you know, just to enjoy, you know, the start of the day. Um, but yeah, when you have more essence contact, again, you become more fully who you are and you're more likely to um, release those parts of yourself that are fearful. And again, I use it in, in the micro teachings. And if anyone's interested in this, they can certainly do read these books. Um, I do sessions to help people. I'd like to do classes specifically on this. You can check out uh, on my website where I do classes, and the classes are pretty inexpensive, actually, and they can be done by phone. So you don't have to live in Phoenix. Um, one of the classes that I do is a series on teaching the Michael teachings. It's incredibly helpful because when you understand your overleaves, your goal, your mode, your attitude, and you know what the difference in the positive and negative poles are, you can be more inclined to stay in the positive poles. And then, in essence, you're happier, more likely to have essence contact. Same dynamic with astrology. One of the reasons that astrology is great to study, to learn, and to understand. Because when you, if you understand, you know, that you are, for instance, if you're Sagittarius, positive pole of Sagittarius is I understand. The ability to understand things in a way, understand the way people think uh, and, and experience, uh, because they are often noted for enjoying unique experiences and travel and learning. Negative pole of Sagittarius is I exaggerate which is like, you know, taking any story or situation and making it not even exact, you know, taking it too far off its actuality. You know, I, I always joke about my Sagittarian friends sometimes being drama queens <laughs> for that reason where it's like too much. Yes, every sign has a positive and negative pole. But again, the difference is knowing that is um, very, very, you know, very, very useful. Uh, and it's just something really, really to, to, to be aware of. And, again, the more essence contact times you have, the more you become more purely who you are, the less inclined you get to pulled into fear. Or if you do, you just don't stay there that long, you know, and, and don't ultimately live in it. So 
so that was my point of writing this column. And, yeah, like I said, I told you it was probably going to be a little bit longer one in discussion. So I am actually going to have to finish up my show a little early because of uh, some double booking going on. Um, as usual, again, I wish I could uh, get to phone calls, but I just will not be able to do that today. And typically, you know, during column read shows, I usually can't. Um, so a lot of times people are asking to do little personal mini readings, which is cool. Sometimes I'm able to do them, but, you know, I always find, again, it's not as appealing to people listening to it versus the person getting it, of course, loves it. So, yeah, if you're interested in a session, you can uh, email me at VenturaSage at Yahoo.com or check that info out on my website and do a personal session anyway. So, uh, all right, everybody, uh, thanks for joining me today. I'm wishing everybody has a lot more essence contact in their future for lots of different reasons, and I will be back in a month or two. And, again, check out uh, my new uh, Buy Me a Coffee site, buymeacoffee.com at VenturaWara, V-E-N-T-U-R-A-W-O-R-A. Weird, I know. But that's where a lot of my best stuff is going to go. And uh, some cool things about that because you can buy me a couple of coffees inexpensively and have access to some really interesting, cool things. And, uh, again, a lot of my new material and best stuff, like the things I teach people in sessions, I uh, teach my regulars, are going to be on that site. So I'm going to push people a lot toward that because I think it's it's kind of like a Patreon, new version of Patreon, but it's called Buy Me a Coffee. So, again, you'll be able to access that. I'll start posting that in my different places. So, again, thanks for joining me today. Happy start to the spring, at least in Phoenix. We're uh, hitting the uh, mid-70s, finally, after weeks of rain and cold. So hallelujah. Um, it was a wonderful winter, but it's fun for 10. <laughs> uh, anyway, so until next time, uh, cheers. <laughs>